The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Where you're being picked is no guarantee of success. So a lot of it has to do with, with, with who you pick. A lot of it has to do with um, that person's makeup. And a lot to do with your team. Every player that you draft is not going to work. Like for someone to sit here and tell you that it is, it's less than truthful, right? It's just not reality, right? So that's that's just the reality of what we deal with. It's 50-50, right? So if there's five of this, like two of them are going to work and probably two or three of them aren't, right? Like which ones are those? Look, I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Maybe you are, but I'm not. What would you call yourself? You good with tight end or is it be something a little more, more broader and representative of your skill set? I would just say probably a hybrid tight end, you know, being able to do everything on the field. It's a pleasure to to, to meet the, uh, the 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 Dr. Fauci himself, you understand me? What's happening, big dog? Uh, thank you. It's good to be with you, Marshawn. No problem. Did you understand you. anything I just said? <laughs> yeah, I got it. I'm good at that. <laughs> all right, all good. It sounds like we on path. Now, that would be an interesting dinner arrangement. Marshawn Lynch to the left, Dr. Anthony Fauci to the right, and bring me plenty of wine while I sit back and watch the two of them converse. I'm going to have to find that conversation, Miles Simmons, and listen to all of it. I think it's fascinating. And it's good to see Dr. Fauci still being very public, being very vocal, being very adamant and folks like Marshawn Lynch presumably embracing the message that Dr. Fauci has, which is get vaccinated. People get vaccinated. I've seen some of these poll numbers the the percentage of people who refuse to do it. Folks, what's wrong with you? Get vaccinated for yourself, for your family, for your community. It's a civic obligation. Get vaccinated. Am I wrong, Miles? Uh, No, you're not wrong. But I I think uh, part of the reason why Marshawn Lynch is doing this, and he tweeted this when he put out the clip that we just saw um, from uh, his conversation with Dr. Fauci, is people just maybe need more information. Now, I don't, you know, I am one of these people. As I told you yesterday, I have my second shot scheduled for Sunday. I am really looking forward to it. But I I do think it's great what Marshawn Lynch is doing, because as he put it out, he said, you know, this is not to tell you what to do. This is just to try to give you all of the information possible. But I think when you have Dr. Fauci on there, the implicit message is, hey, guys, this is safe. Go get vaccinated so we can get out of this pandemic and start doing all of the things that we really miss doing. You know, for me, Miles, the thing that convinced me 100 percent that I was going to do it, despite any of the noise that you hear about concerns and Bill Gates nanobots or they threw it together too quickly. Nobody knows what it's going to do to your body 10 years from now. When I saw the commercial with all the former presidents, except one saying unequivocally, do this. The fact that it was all those former presidents and the one who wasn't in there combined, that was enough to get me to say Give me the jab right now, baby. I'm ready to go. Because if it's good enough well, for them, and if it's not, never mind. You know, you, yeah, you know what I mean. 
Yes, I do. I know. I do know what you mean. Yes. But you know what? If they're going to give me 5G so that I don't need to have an iPhone all the time, <laughs> I'll take that too. This thing is connected well, to me at the hip, so I practically have 5G anyway. Why not just, put, you know, throw it into my veins? <laughs> but my, my position is similar to Kramer and Newman when they reversed their peepholes. They have nothing to hide. They're comfortable with their bodies. My position is, hey, Bill Gates, you want to know what I'm doing? Come take a look. Get ready to be extremely bored. It may help you fall asleep at night. But if you want to know what I'm up to, I don't care how. They already know. Miles, they already know what we're doing. I I don't know if I ever told you this story. I don't know if I ever told you this story. I was out to dinner before the world turned upside down a couple of years ago. And I had an Apple Watch at the time. I still have it for whatever reason. Well, I don't leave the house, so I don't need to wear it. And you always know what time it is with that thing. So anyway, my phone was in the car. Apple Watch on my wrist. Talking to a guy. Talking to a guy. And he's asking me, hey, have you ever thought about getting a home sauna? I'd never thought. Didn't even know they had such a thing as a home sauna. We talked for 10 seconds about home saunas. I get home. Every website I go to. Every browser I open, Miles. I'm bombarded with home sauna ads. They're already tracking us, so don't fear the nanobots. They already know what you're doing. If that's your reason for not doing it, come on, people. Come up with something better than that. All right. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. We've, we've wasted four minutes of the program talking about the vaccine, but it's not a waste of time. You're getting jab two this weekend. I've had both of mine. Everyone I know has gotten it, and I've been preaching to everyone I know, get it. And it's amazing they've still gotten it, even though I've been preaching to them to get it. But we got to do it, people. We got to do it. If we ever want to get back to normal, we have to do it. And unfortunately, there's going to be too many who don't who don't get it. And I don't know what that means to all of us long term. But got to get a booster within a year. I'll get a booster. Got to get a booster tomorrow. I'll get a booster. I'll wait for the former presidents except for one to tell me what to do. And I'll do it. That's good enough for me. That's like a bat signal. All the former presidents except one tell me to do it. I'm doing it. Well, even that, even the former president who wasn't in that uh, that ad has gone on record and said that we need to get it. So you he know, still got maybe it. Maybe that is even got better, it. right? And he got it. Yeah, and he got yes, it. He got it. So yeah. we didn't do it All on right. camera, of course, but he got it. Of course, he got it. So yeah. All right, let's uh, anyway. let's get to the news. We got fifty five minutes left on this Friday. It's not really a busy Friday. We're starting to brace for the bad news dumps that seem to be inevitable this time of year. And last week, I think there were a couple of suspensions or two weeks ago. So when, when two, three o'clock Eastern time rolls around on a Friday, we start to, we start to be on guard for what may come next, but nothing so far today, but there's still another hour or so. If something happens, we'll be ready to react to it in real time. Nick Casario, that's something that happened today. The Texans GM spoke to the media pre-draft press conference. We've seen some of those. We'll see more of those as we get closer to the draft. Here is, Casario on the Deshaun Watson situation and his current status with the team. We're not going to really get into a lot of hypotheticals and a lot of speculation. Um, I'm not really good at that. Um, maybe somebody else is better than that than, than me. I mean, if you want to speculate, you should probably, go, probably go buy Bitcoin and focus on that. So we're just going to focus on the things that we can control, which is kind of getting ready for the draft and trying to take advantage of the opportunities, continue to add to our team and build our roster. Um, and we'll just take it one day at a time and focus on the things that we can control. I'd say we're ready for a full-blown comedy night at Houston Texans headquarters. You can open with Nick Casario, oh, no. then you bring out the big guns in Jack Easterby. 
But the Bitcoin gag, if I'm going to speculate, I go buy some Bitcoin. He didn't even pause for people to not laugh, Miles. Come on. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, like, I get what he was doing there. He's trying to lighten things up a little bit. But when you're talking about a guy who's facing 22 lawsuits for what he's facing those lawsuits for, I mean, I feel like we could have done without the joking there because true. it's a Very serious true. matter. And I know what he was Very doing, true. but like... I, I don't know. Read the room if we're going to have a comedy night. Like, that to me is not the subject that we should be joking about. Well, he learned his comedic timing and content from Jack Easterby. So, exactly. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that he went there. But on, on the more relevant point, he didn't get into anything and he's not going to get anything about Deshaun Watson. Look, I, I continue to believe that unless Deshaun Watson finds a way to get these cases resolved before the start of training camp, I think he's showing up. I think he's showing up in anticipation of being placed on the commissioner's exempt list because if he doesn't show up, he stands to lose $20 million this year between salary, fines, forfeitures, et cetera. If he does show up and gets put on the commissioner exempt list, which I think he will, if there's still, let's say, more than five of these cases pending, more, more than five, I think he's probably on the commissioner exempt list. I hate to reduce it to numbers like that, but I think there's a point where if he whittles it down to like two or three, maybe they'll go forward and not put him on paid leave. But I think where we are right now, if he settles none of these before training camp, I think he's going on the commissioner exempt list. He's going to get more than $10 million from the Texans to not play for them in 2021. Here's more from Casario on whether he expects to see Watson in the offseason program in Houston. It's a voluntary program, right? So players have the option to participate in the program. So it's a case-by-case -case basis, and each player will make the choice that they feel is best. What we're going to do is we're going to do what we've done actually the past couple of months. Like the building's been open. We've had a multitude of players that have been in here. They come in the building, they test, they go in the weight room, they work out, they go through their process. So again, whatever players are here that choose to participate, like that's their choice. And we're going to create as good of a working environment for the players as possible. So when they come here, they feel comfortable and they feel like they're improving as a Houston Texan football player. So that's what our focus is. Going to be. Man, I thought I used my hands a lot when I talk. Uh, nevertheless, Deshaun Watson's not going to be there for the voluntary offseason program. He won't be there. He wasn't going to be there. And there's no reason for him to show or not show now. Because I don't think if he shows up, they'd put him on the commissioner exempt list now. Maybe they would. I remember when Tyreek Hill got himself into an issue a couple of years ago, there was just kind of an agreement that he wouldn't be there for the offseason program. And then they took it up again at training camp and he was able to attend. I just don't think it's going to be an issue. I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to show up for the offseason program, unless he thinks that that would force the league to put him on paid leave now, but I don't think that it would. Interesting, because I, I would sort of think that if he does show up, I mean, I guess right now it kind of doesn't matter, and if he does show up, that's not for really at least another month, because nobody would really see him on the field until OTAs start, and that's in late May, so maybe it's going to be a moot point by then, who knows, but I, I think it would be at least... I don't know. I, it would be a very interesting thing if he actually were there and, you know, cameras would be able to either photograph him or take video of him on the field with his teammates doing drills while all of this is still going on. And we also know that he requested a trade and didn't ever want to play for the Texans again. I, I think that if he does show up, which who knows if he will or won't, that would create a very fascinating situation. Yeah, I I uh, I would guess that he's not, and and the need to put him on paid leave would be minimal because I doubt there'll be much media access to these offseason workouts because of the pandemic. The 
pandemic protocols still are in place, which means significantly restricted media access. And even if there's normal media access, it's not like they have fully open practices for reporters. There's a minimal period that's open and then it's politely they're told, please leave. Uh, J.C. Jackson will not be leaving the New England Patriots. He has signed his one-year tender offer. It was a second-round tender. It was a surprise when the Rams used the first-round tender on cornerback Darius Williams. More on that in a second. The Patriots went with the second-round tender, $3.3 million salary. That's what he gets for this year. He's eligible for unrestricted free agency next year, unless the franchise tag is used. And I'm told that there was an aggressive effort made by his camp to get someone to extend an offer sheet that he would have signed any offer sheet that would have paid him more than what he was due to make from the Patriots this year. No one ultimately would do it for a couple of reasons. This isn't universal, but there is a sense in some league circles, Miles, that we don't touch your players who have been tendered at the second round level and you don't touch ours. And it's unspoken as far as I know. It's collusion if there's an agreement. If it's just coincidental that this is what they all do, you can't prove collusion, not that you'd really be able to prove it anyway, even if there was some sort of an agreement, because nobody's ever going to admit to those kinds of conversations. Beyond that, nobody wants to give up a second-round pick because that unused second-round pick is extremely valuable, even though half of them or so every year are going to become busts. Before you use it, you don't know what it's going to be, and there's always star players taking round three, four, et cetera, That second-round pick you didn't use could have been that player. So teams don't want to give up the second-round pick, and teams don't want to start this process of pilfering players in exchange for that second-round pick. So even though J.C. Jackson, I'm told, was very motivated to get an offer sheet and leave New England, he won't be leaving New England until next year at the earliest. Yeah, I, I do think it's really interesting that no team was willing to utilize a second round pick for somebody who had nine interceptions last season. That's a lot. I mean, considering everything that happens there when you are a defensive back, in order to pick off nine passes, you at least have to be pretty talented. And I think when you're talking about sure bets versus not sure bets, a lot of teams sometimes will use number one overall pick, or excuse me, first round picks, I should say in order to get that more of a guarantee that, yes, we're getting a guy who we know can play football, right? And think about what the Colts just did in acquiring Carson Wentz, what the Rams have done a lot in acquiring different players, Jalen Ramsey and now Matthew Stafford. So interesting to me that teams are not as willing to get somebody like that, like a J.C. Jackson, when they have an opportunity to, whether it is for the the not non-collusion collusion thing of we're not going to take your second round pick uh, tendered player if you don't take ours versus you know, we see what this guy can do. And we know that he could be productive in our system, but we're still not going to do it. I just I think that's a really interesting thing that teams just don't really want to do that when I guess in some ways a second round pick is pretty valuable because if you trade back, then maybe you're getting more players, getting more shots at the dartboard and all that. But, I, you know, sometimes second round picks seem almost a little bit more valuable than a first rounder in that way. Well, and. I think second-round receivers, you could argue, are more valuable than first-round receivers because second-round receivers are more likely to be pissed off about the fact that they weren't taken in the first round. It's the Michael Thomas effect. It's the Chase Claypool effect. And if I'm going to draft a receiver, especially in a year like this where there's plenty of them, I'm not taking one in first round unless I think he's going to be Calvin Johnson Uh, because that extra motivation from going in round two could be all the difference in the world. 
They launched the second round tender with the last CBA. 2012 was the first year they did it. No player has changed teams under the second round tender. And the first round tender was used this year on Darius Williams, the Rams corner. That's a million and a half that the Rams spent this year, Miles, that they didn't have to spend. For a team that is already pressed tightly against the salary cap, that's a million and a half dollars that I think they wasted because I don't think anyone was going to sign Darius Williams to an offer sheet. If they didn't sign J.C. Jackson, they're not going to sign Darius Williams. Uh, Yeah, for sure. And I mean, look, you said that when it happened. Why would they do this when nobody has even ever touched the second round pick, uh, a player with a second round tender before, I should say. So if that's the case, then I think the Rams may have made a mistake. Now, they did reward Darius Williams for his play, which is great, and maybe will curry favor within the organization at some point. But at the same time, just from a pure business dollars and cents standpoint, If you look at especially a year with a depressed salary cap, this probably was not the best decision that they could have made when it comes to Darius Williams. Again, great player, really good player, deserves the money he's going to get probably, but from a business sense, maybe not the right move. Yeah, I I agree. And uh, look, if you want to curry favor with the guy, sign him to a long-term deal. And I know that financially they may not be able to do it this year and maybe they'll sell this to him as a gesture of goodwill, an extra million and a half this year with the understanding that next year they'll try to, to sign him. But when you've got all that money tied up in Jalen Ramsey, what are you going to do? You're going to have market value or something close to it for, yeah. But I mean, at the, at the corner position, position, not many teams are going to have two highly paid corners, just like it's rare to see a team that has two highly paid receivers. It's a lot of money to put into one position on the field. All right. The quarterback position continues to be the most important on the field. Washington general manager, Martin Mayhew talked to reporters today, along with head coach Ron Rivera about, the quarterback position, even though they've got Fitz magic, they know Miles, say it with me, he can be Fitz tragic. tragic. So they, they talked about the possibility of addressing the quarterback position in the 2021 draft. Here they are. I would say so. I, I think for me, especially evaluating quarterbacks, I think time spent on the job is definitely a positive. Um, so anytime you see guys with limited time on the job, that, that is a concern for me with, uh, with uh, the uh, quarterback position. And there, there certainly are more of those guys this year. The quarterback position is uh, as much as any. It's, it's such a tough one to figure out. And and obviously, uh, I agree with what what, um, what Martin said, and that is time spent, as many snaps as possible, getting as much work as you can. That's That helps a lot because there, there's a lot of tape to evaluate. Uh, you can go back as far as you want uh, and see just the growth. That's important as well. So, yeah, to, 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 to that point, yes, I agree exactly with what Martin said. I was so committed to making the Fitz tragic reference. I made my own Fitz tragic mistake. I didn't set up that sound the way I should have. My apologies. They were talking about the difficulties in scouting quarterbacks in this year's draft based upon the fact that there wasn't the same quality of film from last year, particularly with Trey Lance, who played in one game in 2020 and uh, coming from a lower level of the sport as well. That just complicates the overall evaluation process. So, look, I don't know what it means. Washington has Ryan Fitzpatrick, so it's not as obvious they're looking quarterback. I don't know who's going to be left once we get through the top 10. I don't know if Washington's even going to have a remotely plausible opportunity to try to get in position to get a Trey Lance. But 
you have to do the evaluations. You have to be ready for anything. The last thing you want to do is just take a guy because he's sliding. You haven't done the evaluation on him. What are you going to do? Are you going to do like your Cleveland Browns did in the not-so-great film draft day? Figure out the day of the draft, their evaluation of a quarterback that they've never even thought about taking? You can't do that. you got to know ahead of time. you got to be ready for everything. That's why they, they spend so much time working. They're ready for anything. They do their mock drafts so they can have every permutation figured out, Miles, of who may be there when they pick, and they know everything there is to know about all those guys who could be there when they pick. Unless they decide that they want to trade up and they want to go get one of these quarterbacks who may be sliding, you know, in the top 10 or whatever it happens to be. I mean, think about there are a couple teams there that I think they could maybe trade with, whether it's the Broncos, if they decide whatever quarterback it is at number 10 is going to be worth it for them and it's not necessarily going to be better than Drew Locke. Hey, maybe Washington goes there. Maybe Washington goes to number seven overall um, with the Detroit Lions. Anything is sort of possible, but I think the interesting thing is when you're talking about guys and time spent on task, you really are only talking about Trey Lance because everybody else who is sort of thought of as one of these top QBs in this draft has spent a good amount of time being the quarterback. Unless you want to talk about Zach Wilson, maybe, but then again, you know, he's going probably number two overall, and I think we all know that. But I'm talking about guys like uh, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond. Those guys have spent plenty of time as a starting QB in college. So it's going to be interesting to see what Washington does there because we know they have a quarterback of the present, but the quarterback of the future just isn't on the roster. And you wonder how much they'll be stung by what happened two years ago with Dwayne Haskins. Does that make them hesitant to try to make a big move? Are they ready to make it work with Ryan Fitzpatrick and kick the can until next year? Look, you're going to have to give up a lot to move. You're going to have to at least be ready to part ways with your first round pick next year on top of the one you're giving up this year. So it all depends upon how much they like a guy. And they're not going to tell us how much they like a guy, but I agree with you. Any concern about not having it in a film would be an indication that they've taken a close look at Trey Lance. Here's Martin Mayhew on the possibility of drafting a quarterback and how he feels about the quarterbacks currently on the roster. It's, it's something that you're always looking for. Uh, if you don't have one as a GM, you're always looking for that. I don't think that process ever stops. Um, and I think there's a lot of pressure on, on that position. You know, um, a lot of these guys, um, you know, have been very, very highly recruited, very, you know, highly thought of, uh, have not faced as much adversity as they face going into an in, in NFL city and dealing with the expectations. Um, I think that's certainly part of the process. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 this is a very, it's a very, very difficult position to play. Uh, I don't think that all the guys that don't make it um, are not good football players. I think a lot of times it has to do with the circumstances that those guys get put into. Uh, that has a lot to do with whether they, they succeed or fail. Um, so, um, again, we feel very uh, confident with the group that we have. Like any position, if we can upgrade it, we'll try to, up, try to up, upgrade it. But we feel confident uh, and uh, feel good about the group that we have right now. And uh, as usual, the smart general manager who ultimately says nothing at all. Keep all your options open. <laughs> ultimately be able to say, Miles, that the guy you got is the guy you wanted, whether you trade up, trade down, or stay put. The guy we get is the guy 
we wanted, and then we move forward putting our football team together. Looks like Aaron Donald may be moving forward without worrying about a prosecution for the incident that happened over the weekend in Pittsburgh. His lawyer came out today and said the video that's available, and we knew there'd be video, looks like it's a surveillance camera that was attached to a building or a light pole or something. If you look at it carefully, Aaron Donald seems to be the peacemaker, not the guy who's actually trying to do anything to DeVincent Spriggs, who was seriously injured by a group of people. So that should be enough to create reasonable doubt. That should be enough to keep a prosecutor from wanting to sue Aaron Donald or to prosecute Aaron Donald. That wouldn't stop DeVincent Spriggs from suing Aaron Donald because chances are of all those individuals gathered in the street, Aaron Donald probably makes the most money of any of them by far, I would say, uh, given what he makes north of 20 million from the LA Rams. So you still would have to worry about that, but it sure looks like based upon the representations of his lawyer, not that the lawyers ever didn't come out and say my guy's guilty, but between the lawyer saying what he said and that video, it, it looks like DeVincent Spriggs may have been misinformed about who it is that gave him a broken arm, gave him a concussion and put 16 inches or 16 stitches, excuse me, near his eye. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and you know what, the the interesting thing there, I mean, if you're thinking about Aaron Donald, you know, and I, I know Aaron Donald, I was around Aaron Donald for five years for the first five years of his career. Right. And I think this about all players all the time, you know, no matter what you do as a a journalist, as a reporter, you're getting around these guys, there's no real way of knowing who they are when you're not around them. Right. And so I think from that standpoint, it's like, okay, this kind of jives more with the Aaron Donald. I feel like I got to know in that locker room for all those different years, because it just doesn't seem like the kind of thing he would do from what I know about him to go in and like get into a street fight. It just doesn't really seem like Aaron Donald, but that doesn't mean that he wouldn't do it. So Look, I, I think that you're right. You know, it's not necessarily that he's in the clear from a civil suit standpoint. Um, but, you know, at least with this video and the release of it and what it really looks like there, and you can see him trying to pull guys off before he gets pulled off, probably by somebody who's thinking, man, I don't want Aaron Donald to be anywhere near this for any reason. Um, it, it at least makes him look a little, a lot better, I think, than what uh, uh, the victim of that assault was initially saying broader message i think is uh i don't know who said it whether it was last week when did this all break it's all blurring together it was earlier this week but the point was made on multiple occasions i think shireen shireen said it we're in the matrix shireen's and the nanobots have taken over shireen yeah. said it and pftpm sim said it the next morning nothing good happens after insert the hour whatever hour it is 11 o'clock 12 o'clock in my case eight o'clock but nothing happens good after those hours. And when you're a guy who is a target in a variety of ways, you're a barometer for how tough someone may be. You've got a lot of money. So if something goes down, you're going to be the deep pockets that they come after. For all those reasons, you got to know when to call it a night. You got to know when to take it back to your hotel room, your apartment, your house, wherever, and not be out in a position where something could go down that you could get dragged into, and the next thing you know, you're being accused of something that you didn't do, but you may not have the benefit of that surveillance footage to allow you, as it seems to be in this case, to get out of it fairly easily. All right, the the dribs and drabs continue of the teams that won't be participating in the voluntary offseason program. 
I don't know whether these are just being announced as they come in. I don't know how this works. I do know the Cowboys had a conference call two days ago, and we've yet to hear that the Cowboys aren't going to show up, or many of our players aren't going to show up. I still don't think this is going to work, Miles. I still think once players start coming, that anyone who isn't entirely secure in his roster spot is going to be there. They, they have to be there, or they're going to risk getting waived when Labor Day weekend rolls around. And unless you, you're not going to work out at all, if you're going to work out anywhere, you need that security, that insurance, that free insurance policy that comes from working out at the team facility. Because if you get injured and you can't play it all this year, you get your full salary. I'm still astounded by this. I understand union acting out a little bit, union pissed off about the unequal bargaining strength. I, I get that, but I just feel like this isn't it. This, this isn't it. And I don't think it's going to end well. They need to find an off-ramp. And for now, they don't seem inclined to try. Well, the, the thing that keeps getting to me is how they keep saying that players may feel unsafe getting into these buildings. I, I think especially with the Atlanta Falcons, when that really stood out to me, how they said, you know, the COVID protocols put in place make us feel unsafe. And the COVID protocols, as I understand it, are still the same as they were during the season. So exactly. if there were an issue with the COVID protocols during the season and you did not feel safe when there were, it's a 53-man roster plus 16 guys on the practice squad plus all the coaches and whatnot, I, I wish that they had said something then because that would have been a problem, right? If you aren't feeling safe in your building, then that was a problem. If it's now and the same protocols are in place, and again, I think we mentioned this yesterday, the NFL is strongly, strongly encouraging slash requiring effectively members of these teams who are not players to get vaccinated in order to be around the players and have tier one and tier two status, which essentially means that they get to be around these players. So you can tell, at least from my standpoint, and again, I'm not in a building every day, so I don't quite know. But from at least from afar, it seems like the NFL is putting in place measures so that guys can feel safe when they're in the building. And they really, they're not going to be in the building for at least another month in the first place. Phase two doesn't start until mid-May. Phase three doesn't start until, I believe, May 24th. And that's when these OTA practices are. And even then, in theory, you could mostly be outside and working out there when you're having practice. Right? So... Guys are still coming in and out of these buildings already. Nick Casario said it in one of the clips that we played, whether it was uh, in the open or whether he was talking, I can't quite remember. Time again is an illusion. But Time is an he illusion. He was saying that guys have been coming in and out of the building already, and they're doing everything they can to make them feel safe so that they can get in their workout and then go. I, I still feel like guys, no matter what these different teams are saying, they're going to keep doing that if they're already in their cities and they're already working out at the team facility because, like you said, you get injury protection when you're doing that. 400 players have been working out league-wide so far this offseason. I don't think it's about the pandemic. I don't. Right. Because if it was, if they didn't yes. feel safe in the building, then we would have heard more of that last year during the season. Nothing would have stopped any player during a post-game press conference, during a midweek press conference, going to Twitter. Did, what, was there any player, anyone, that said at any point in any setting during the 2020 season, I don't feel safe. Was there any player that said, I wish I'd opted out? If anything, what we're hearing is guys like Michael Pierce, the Vikings defensive tackle who opted out last year, he has asthma. Once he saw 
how it all worked out. He regretted that he opted out. And I disagreed with this concept of you got to make a final decision with limited information. You got a window to opt out. Well, what if everything ends up being fine? Guy wouldn't have opted out. What if a guy's concerned and he's already not opted out? Well, no one said, man, I wish I'd opted out. If anything, you got guys who opted out saying, man, I wish I hadn't. And again, if anyone is concerned about the pandemic, before they can say they've got concerns, I want to see their card, their little white card that shows that they've gotten one jab or two jabs. I want to know that you've gotten vaccinated because you got no credibility to tell me you're concerned about the pandemic if you haven't gotten vaccinated. Because if you haven't gotten vaccinated, you're not concerned about the pandemic. And professional athletes, they're not concerned about the pandemic and they're not concerned about the vaccination. They're impervious. They're going to live forever. They're going to be able to run fast, jump high, and commit feats of strength for as long as they can see into the future. That's how the brain works when you're in your early to mid-20s. Now, some of the older guys are starting to realize father time always wins. But don't tell me you're concerned about the pandemic. You're not. There's nothing from last year that happened that tells me any of these players are concerned about not being safe. It's the same protocols that they negotiated last year. Now, all of a sudden, they don't like them. Why? Because the guys who run the union either want to protect their own jobs or they're pissed off about what happened last year because the 17-game season got pushed through and there was not a damn thing they could do about it. But you know what? Whether they voted for the CBA last year or whether they didn't, there was going to be a 17-game season because the NFL wanted it. And the NFL is going to get what it wants because when the time comes to miss games in support of a lockout or a strike, the owners will say fine, the players will say not fine. We're not missing those games. Or if there's a strike and we get replaced, we're going to cross the picket line. So I, I, we're on the same page. And they all need to get on the same page. Here's the other side of it, too. Last yes. point, Miles. Yes. And I'll get your thoughts on this. The league doesn't care. The league, specifically the owners, don't care. You know what the owners care about? The owners care about things that cost them money. Do you think the owners care if guys don't show up for the voluntary offseason program? Hell, they're saving the per diem. They may avoid having to pay some workout bonuses. It's not going to cost them a dime if these guys don't show up. You ask any owner, what do you think about this? They're probably going to say, what are you talking about? I got, what? What? They're, oh, they're not coming to the offseason? Oh, well, okay, fine. Well, we'll still have the best 53 guys ready to go Labor Day weekend. Maybe maybe some of the younger guys will show up and we'll be able to go with them and save a few million bucks from some veteran who, uh, you know, we can move on from because he didn't show up and the young guy did and the young guy's ready to go. So I, the league doesn't care. The league likes this. The league thinks it's going to win. And that's enough for me to, to believe that the NFLPA needs to find a way to move past it. Well, look, I think that you're absolutely right, that owners don't care. The, the, the guys that really care in the building are probably the coaches and the GMs. I mean, obviously, and they don't say this because they can't say it because it's voluntary, right? But whenever you have a coach, that coach wants to be around the players as much as possible so that they can start teaching the players everything that the players need to know. I understand that from any different standpoint. So I think, you know, you keep saying Labor Day. I think if some of these guys don't show up and you get, you know, a, a few undrafted free agents who really start showing off in late May and early June, you might make some roster decisions at that point and say, you know what, let's go with the kid, man. This kid has really been working his rear end off and he's doing some great stuff on the field. And we think, especially once he gets pads on, oh boy, he's going to do some great things. So I think that there could be consequences in June, 
even before you know we start getting to training camp if this scattershot way of going about this continues. And again, I get what the players are doing. If you don't want to come to the offseason program, you really don't have to. It's voluntary. That's fine. But those guys who are on the bubble, it does present a certain amount of risk. Yep. And uh, well, we'll continue to track it. Peter King said today that the average fan doesn't care about it. The average fan needs to care about it. And our job is to draw out why they should care about it. And I think we've been covering it pretty well this week. Let's take a break. When we return, it's the 21st anniversary of the drafting of Tom Brady. So we're going to have a draft of the biggest steals in draft history. We'll do that when PFTPM continues. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There it is, sixth round compensatory selection, 2000 draft, Tom Brady, quarterback, Michigan, pick number 199, and uh, as Tom Brady pointed out, his NFL career is now old enough to buy a beer, 21 years he has been in the National Football League, there are guys in the league now younger than his career, there are guys that are young enough to be his kid. There are guys that are less than half his age, Miles, and he just keeps going. Unbelievable career, unbelievable longevity, achievement, performance, everything. Greatest player that's ever played. I remember there was a time not that long ago where it was kind of loosely regarded that Jerry Rice was the greatest player of all time at any position. That, that ship has sailed. With the Super Bowl 51 win, Brady became the best quarterback of all time. And throwing two more on top of that, I don't think there's any debate. Greatest player of all time, regardless of position. Nah, he's the GOAT. It, it, it was cemented for me with this one. And because I just did not see the Buccaneers being a winning team that could, you know, go to the playoffs, let alone a team that would get to the Super Bowl and then dominate and win the Super Bowl. And look, Brady is playing like a top five quarterback. He's now getting into his mid forties. It's unbelievable what he's done and what he continues to do. And there's no reason to believe that he's not going to keep playing at that level at this point. Yep. And uh, the question is how much longer will he go? There was a point during the season last year where I thought, this guy's going to play until he's 50, 45. Just, I mean, 
Well, yeah, look, why why would you stop if you can still play, especially because his family seems to be very happy in Tampa? I think it's a different vibe than New England. And and I think he was beaten down by Bill Belichick and and it just it was time. Now that they're in Tampa, they're happy, he's in a groove, he knows what needs to be done. And for for all quarterbacks, I'd say at some point, if you're good and you're smart, you get into your 30s, you you become part player, part coach. And your brain becomes that supercomputer that has processed everything. After they beat the Falcons in Super Bowl 51, he said, there's nothing that you can show me that I haven't seen before. Well, he's got four more years of football since then. So if he can physically keep doing it, and he's mastered also the ability to basically duck and cover when he sees someone coming at him who can inflict physical damage on his aging body, he gets rid of the football and he, and he curls up and that's okay. Live to play another day. Smart. Stay alive for your team. Other teams wish their quarterbacks would done that. 49ers, if Jimmy Garoppolo would have done it in 2018, he wouldn't have torn his ACL on the sideline week three at Kansas City. So I'm impressed with everything Tom Brady's done. And uh, I want to see who the next guy is to stretch his longevity as far as Tom Brady has. Because I have a feeling he's not going to be the only one to do it in this generation of quarterbacks. I think there's going to be others. He's, I mean, this is not still his generation of quarterbacks at this point, man. I, I mean, he's his generation of quarterbacks are, are they're all gone, you know, pretty the current, much. I the current Peyton generation. Manning. Yeah, I Russell mean, Wilson. I mean, I, Russell Wilson says he's going to play till he's forty-five, and these younger guys who are coming up now. There's so many good ones. Will one of them make yeah. it deep into his forties? I think one of them will. Probably, yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, especially given the way the rules have changed. I mean, even since Tom Brady's been in the league, right, the rules have changed so that you can't hit quarterbacks low and, you know, you're not supposed to do this with the quarterback, that with the quarterback. So, look, I I think that, yes, you're right, that the longer guys play or the more time goes on, I guess I should say, the guys are going to keep playing a long time, especially at the QB position where the rules are basically uh, formed so that they can continue to play at a high level. All right, let's get to the draft. The biggest steals in NFL history, draft style, the Tom Brady Memorial Draft, although he's still alive. Miles, you get the first pick. Well, it can't be Tom Brady because it's the Tom Brady Memorial Draft, and everybody knows that he is obviously the biggest draft steal of all time. But I will go with somebody else from California who played in California, and that is Joe Montana. And he was selected in the third round in 1979. He got a four-time Super Bowl champion, three-time Super Bowl MVP. And he is the person who I thought Tom Brady was going to start resembling. You know, after he finished his 49ers career, of course, Joe Montana went to Kansas City, went to the playoffs, thought that maybe Brady could get to the playoffs. But then Brady wins the Super Bowl. So, but Joe Montana, I mean, when you're getting a guy like that in the third round, that's, that's a huge steal. I will go with another quarterback from a generation before Montana, and that would be a guy who was drafted in the 10th round of the 1964 draft by the Dallas Cowboys. Roger Staubach had to fulfill his naval commitment, landed in the NFL, and ended up being one of the great quarterbacks of his era. One of the guys who never really gets brought up in the conversation for the all-time greats, Shereen Williams, who has Roger Staubach's jersey hanging behind her. Whenever she's on the show, she would argue that he should be in that conversation. When she was in, I think, third grade, she asked her teacher how far it is from Houston to Dallas. She grew up in the Houston area, and the teacher said, why? She said, I've got to go. I'm going to marry Roger Staubach. So, uh, and is this really, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't have included oh, him. Yeah. 
if I'd have known that we were going to show the all-time cheat play by him and Drew Pearson. I bet he told Drew Pearson before the snap, if all else fails, push that guy down. Anyway, I still I still say Starbucks one of the all-time great draft steals. He also was drafted in the 16th round by the Chiefs in the 1964 AFL draft. Miles. Well, that's good to know. Um, very interesting stuff there. Good trivia for that. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Shereen Williams, who I was going to say Roger Staubach with my next pick if you didn't. So we would have seen that clip anyway, Mike. Um, I will say my for my next pick, though, is a steal Deacon Jones who was taken the 14th round of the 1961 draft, talking about a guy who's two-time defensive player of the year. If I'm not mistaken, because this probably, this not probably, this happened long before I was born, he coined the term sack, right? Because he's the one who was always getting after the QBs. And of course, back then, there was no sack stat. But if there were, he would have had 20 sacks for three times in his career. And that is just unbelievable. So... I think he's definitely one of the top draft steals of all time. Member of the fearsome foursome in LA. He was also the master of the head slap, a move that became illegal. But one of the techniques for getting past an offensive lineman was literally take your palm and slap the offensive lineman in the helmet, rendering him momentarily incapacitated apparently. But that's what Deacon Jones did to get to the quarterback. All right, I'll go with another quarterback here. A hall of famer, Super Bowl MVP twice. In that chain of great Packers quarterbacks, although it was broken for about, I don't know, 25 years, it's been solid for the last 25 from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. It was Bart Starr before that. He was a 17th round draft pick, 17th round. goes on to be one of the great players in Packers history and the MVP of not just the first Super Bowl before it was even called the Super Bowl. It was the AFL-NFL championship game, but also, I don't know, I think they didn't even come up with Super Bowl. They may not have come up with Super Bowl until three. I'm not sure. Yeah, At some point, Lamar Hunt came up with the name. But regardless, what is now in hindsight, the first two Super Bowls, Bart Starr was the MVP. Yeah, I, I believe it was the, there was just the football world championship or something like that between the AFL and the NFL in those first two years. Uh, great pick, though, Bart Starr. Um, but I am going to go sort of off the board here for my next pick as a draft steal. And I'm stretching the rules because that's something you always do whenever we do this, Mike. But I, I, I know what you're going to I, I know what you're going to do. Oh, what? okay. Go ahead. No, that's not what I thought. No. That's fine. I, oh, gotta, you I didn't thought know you were going to go with an do. undrafted guy. I thought you were going <laughs> to go with an undrafted guy. I thought you were going to go Kurt, oh, no. Kurt Warner. Because you can't, you can't quit the Rams. Even though you quit the Rams four years ago, you can't quit the Rams. <laughs> it's actually like two and a half or one and a half. But okay, uh, yeah, time is an illusion. Whatever. Yeah, you know, exactly. And you don't know how old I am anyway, or when my birthday is. Uh, but the Broncos, when they got John Elway, they traded for they traded for him from the Colts. The Colts picked him at number one overall. But you're talking about a draft steal. How about a guy who becomes your franchise quarterback? for the better part of two decades, ends up winning two Super Bowls for you late in his career to finish off his career. And they went to enough Super Bowls and beat uh, the team with the helmet behind me in the 80s many times in the playoffs. So I think that that is a kind of steal because look, all the Broncos had to give up was the 19th overall pick the next year that turned out to be Ron Salt. Uh, and then they gave up lineman Chris Hinton and a backup quarterback in Mark Herman. That sounds like a draft steal to me, Mike. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I have no problem with you doing it. I really did think you were going to go with an undrafted guy because, because technically that's a draft steal. That's a guy who wasn't even picked. I mean, John Randall, for crying out loud, was undrafted 
at a time when there were 12 rounds in the draft, he was undrafted. All right, I'm going to go with... There are other guys who had much better careers, like a Steve Smith, who was a third-round pick in 2001 of the Panthers, like a Shannon Sharp, who was a seventh-rounder of uh, originally the Broncos and then went on to future stardom, further stardom, excuse me, with the Ravens. I'm going to go to Bo Jackson because I continue to be fascinated by the Bo Jackson draft experience. 1986, ready to play baseball. Buccaneers are going to take him. He told them, I'm not signing with you. I'm not doing it. I'm going to play baseball. They used the first overall pick on him anyway. And the way the rules work, if you don't sign, you go back into the pool the next year. And the Raiders, at a time when no one else was really thinking about it, they threw, I think it was a seventh-round pick on Bo Jackson. And I know his career didn't last very long. And I know that he had that hip injury that, that derailed both his football and baseball career. And it's a shame. Because the guy was magical. The guy was special. It was fun to watch baseball when he played. It was even more fun to watch football when he played. But for that that period that he burned, he burned as bright as anyone. And to think that the Raiders got him for that steal, that the true steal. You want to talk about a steal? Nobody's even paying attention to Bo Jackson. Oh, here we go. Thank you very much. We'll take Bo Jackson. So literally a steal. That's my pick. By the way, the Super Bowl name began to be used in Super Bowl IV. It was the AFL-NFL championship game before that, but it was Super Bowl IV when Lamar Hunt's brainstorm became the official name of the game. Let's take a break. More PFT Live coming right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Look at that. Marshawn Lynch making investments in his hometown. There he is. Is he going to dive into the end zone? Is he going to? Oh, he didn't. He didn't grab anything as he dove in. All right. That audio is very distracting. There he gets a red card. Get out of here. Get that audio out of here too. Okay, Marshawn Lynch, purchasing part, and there goes the ball. That's still not nearly as good. The all-time great Marshawn Lynch on-field video, Miles, is when he was at Cal, and he decided to drive the cart. That cannot be topped ever. And I don't know how safe it was, 
but it was awesome. It's easy for me to say that because I wasn't down there on the field trying to avoid being run over by it, like the guys in the Madden video game that used to get run over by the ambulance that would come out way back when, when the Madden series started. But anyway, uh, Marshawn Lynch, awesome. I've always loved him. I like his style, and he's going to be part owner of the Oakland Roots of the USL Championship Soccer League. They start play, I think, in May. May 8th, I think, is the season opener. Sounds good to me, man. Anytime uh, Marshawn Lynch is involved with anything that has to do with Oakland, it's probably going to be a good time. So I'm in favor of Marshawn Lynch doing whatever he wants to do in order to stay involved in sports and stay involved in Oakland. If it happens to be soccer, fantastic, because I think it's going to be fun. He also said on ESPN Plus this week that he spoke to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers about playing in Tampa last year, ultimately and obviously that didn't happen, but uh, would have been an interesting combination given that it was Brady's Patriots that benefited directly from that fateful decision in Super Bowl 49 by the Seahawks to not run the ball with Marshawn Lynch, but instead to throw the ball. And we all know what happened after that. But uh, I think he's done, done now. I was surprised he came back two years ago for the postseason run with the Seahawks, but no more Marshawn Lynch. He turns 35 soon. And uh, Hall of Fame career, I think, potentially, eventually. Uh, and I'll miss him. I, I, he's just a character. I love good characters. And uh, he's one of a kind. He is, he's, he's absolutely quotable. I mean, you can basically quote him saying anything, even if it's, I'm just here so I don't get fined, right? And he's, he's always entertaining. So that would have been really interesting if he had actually gone to the Bucks. But I guess we'll never know what happened. Okay, apparently we're playing some trivia in the next segment. Something called mm -hmm. Stump Florio Draft Edition with Miles Simmons hosting. Miles, if you do well, maybe you'll get to be guest host on Jeopardy for two weeks. Only way one to find only one way to find out. We'll be right back. Peyton Manning will host College Bowl Revival on NBC this June. Peyton will host with the help of his brother Cooper Manning, or Cupper, I think is the preferred pronunciation. Twelve schools have been selected, including Miles' alma mater, Columbia University. The show starts on June 22nd on NBC. So between that and Aaron Rodgers wrapping up his two-week stint as the guest host of Jeopardy!, we're apparently playing some trivia. I don't quite know how I feel about that. It's called Stump Florio <laughs> Draft Edition with the host, Miles Simmons. I have no idea what these questions are. I probably will get none of them right because when that red light comes on, when it's time to perform under pressure, I am terrible. Miles, I'm reminded every time I watch Jeopardy that no matter how intelligent I think I may be at moments, fleeting moments of the day, for those 30 minutes when Jeopardy's on, I don't know a damn thing. So let's find out now if I know a damn thing about any of these questions you have. Well, listen, the game is called Stump Florio, and this is my first time hosting a game show, too. So I've made these questions decently hard. So let's see how you do. All right. Here's the first one, Mike. Since 2001, 15 of the 20 number one overall picks have been quarterbacks. Can you name the five who weren't? The five who weren't since 2001. Okay. Wow. I probably will miss someone here. I know we've got Miles Garrett. That's one. Okay. Yeah. That one's easy. That one was probably the most recent. We've got it Miles was. Garrett. Does it count if I say Miles Garrett twice? We've got Miles no. Garrett. We've, thank you. 
we've we've got uh we've got Jake Long. We've got Jake Long. Okay. That's another one, 2008. Um I'm I'm 40% of the way there. Running out of steam. We've got uh Jadavian Clowney. That's three. Hey, there you go. We've got Eric we've we've got Eric Fisher. That's four. Whoa. Whoa. I got four out of five, baby. Four out of five is pretty damn good. And if I sit here long enough, it's going to come to me. I'm trying to think. I got to run through every draft in my brain and who am I going to remember? You're going to give me a hint. You're going to give me the position. Give me the year. Give me the year. I'll know it if you tell me the year. 2005, first overall pick. 2005, first overall pick. Oh, crap. It was... Alex Smith was the first overall pick in 2005. Don't come at me with that. Don't fill my no. head with false information. No. Wasn't he? No. That's 2004, 2005? sir. No. Oh, no, oh, I wrote it down Smith. wrong. Uh, it's my fault. Rose That's on me. You That's failed. on me. That's on me. Folks, wait, <laughs> wait. Mike, Rickard, Mike Richards from Jeopardy is calling to say uh, Miles had his shot, but forget it. 2004, <laughs> oh, the two first th- overall pick. 2004, how do I not remember six. this? No, it's six. It's and and six. it wasn't four. Four was, was Eli Manning. Okay, yeah, 2006. It's six. It's 2006. It's on me. I've ruined the entire thing now. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I, got, I got the producer telling me 2004. No, 2006. So who was it in yes. 2006? Mario Williams of the Texans. Ah, yes. Of course it was. It was yes. Mario Williams, Reggie Bush, Vince Young. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, the... That, that was that was it. We got one question in, uh, and you almost stumped me. You tried to stump me. You uh, literally, you gave me false information. Okay, I was so mailbag close. question for Matt Casey. Have either of you ever had a mic drop moment on a radio show? Hashtag move on or move out. Ardent fans of PFT will know exactly what move on or move out means. Classic moment from Len Pascarelli on radio uh, years ago. Miles, I, have you have you had have you had a mic drop moment? Is this here's your chance to mic the drop? Go, or uh, drop well, the this mic. This is the chance. Uh, hopefully, someone will get the quarterback of the future. We're done. See you next week. Mike the drop. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.